Good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Fellowship. Um, I usually, I'm going to switch things up on you guys this morning. Usually I, I mention if you're new or if it's your first time at the end. But since I said welcome, I'm going to introduce that now. So if this is your first time uh, here at Community, uh, we do have a gift for you. If you go out these doors, take a right. You'll see some counters with some white bags. In that bag is a gift for you as well as a piece of paper that if you fill out and turn into our office, we can get connected and get to know you a little bit more as well. Well, today we have Community 101 after the service. So if you signed up, don't forget to stop over at the Fellowship Hall following our worship service this morning. Uh, we also have something big coming up next week because next week is our Lake Baptism Service and Picnic. So we will be, if you show up here next week, uh, you will not find us because we'll be at the lake. <laughs> and we'll be celebrating some great baptisms as well as our service and a great fellowship time during our lunch as well. Um, so we're going to be arriving next week at the lake at 10 a.m. That way we can have baptisms promptly at 10.30 a.m. And then we're going to go back to our uh, uh the pavilion for the service at 11 a.m., and then lunch will be following the service. Um, so make sure you sign up for that. If you've not signed up yet, you can let us know how many from your family uh, or friends are coming along and what dish you to, plan to bring for the picnic portion of that. We also want to invite you guys to all uh, and encourage you guys to join us as we continue our 100th anniversary celebration with Hymn Sing and homemade ice cream social on Sunday, July 30th. So this is from 6 to 8 p.m. Jack Landis, who was one of our previous worship and youth leaders, he's going to be leading some hymns for us to sing. If you want to request a hymn, uh, if you go out these doors and go to the left, there's a spot you'll see the hymn booklets, you'll see some papers, you'll see some baskets there. You can request one of your favorite hymns. And we just ask that you put down also uh, what that hymn means to you, why that hymn was so special, why you want to sing it, because often there's great stories behind our favorite hymns. Also, for the ice cream part, if you can make homemade ice cream, if you have the ability to do that, uh, we have a sign-up sheet for that as well. Uh, you know, we want all the secret family recipes uh, when it comes to the homemade ice cream, so we make sure you sign up for that as well. Also, at that same table, we're going to be having our garden produce there. Uh, we didn't have enough time to get out before the service, but we will have stuff there at the end of the service. And we do have a basket there for donations. All the donations that we make on our youth garden will go towards our youth compassion child that we have. So I believe we still have his picture out there. Uh, we had him out there last couple weeks, uh, so you can see him. So all the donations that you, uh, you give when you take from the produce go straight towards that. We also have one more thing. I know a few of you have reached out to me about discount cards. We still are selling discount cards. Uh, we're going to have a student or multiple students out there around that table area as well after the service with discount cards. Those cards are still $10 a piece. Uh, there's still a couple other coupons that you can get along with that. Uh, I'm sure they'll be glad to give you more information on that. I just want to invite everyone to join with me in a time of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning. God, we, play, we pray that we can glorify you through what we do, through what we sing, as we open up your word. 
And God, may we continue to glorify you with our actions after we've read your word. Uh, Not just today, but throughout our week, God. May our lives be glorifying to you no matter where we're at. May our life be for you be a character trait that doesn't vary by who we're around, but it shines through as a light no matter where you have us. Be with Pastor Glenn this morning. Help us to hear the words that you've prepared through him. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I met James on Monday at the Christian Businessmen's Group here in our area, and uh, it just so happened that uh, he and his family were free this Sunday, and it worked out for them to be with us. Um, he is a trumpeter, and uh, of course that is a little bit of an affinity to me, you know, so um, that, that's and, a, and certainly a, a wonderful brother in the Lord, and uh, he's going to lead off our service this morning. You'll hear more about him later in the, in the family ministry, but he's going to lead our service off this morning by uh, sharing with us uh, about the shofar and actually open our service with that. So James, come on up. Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord. It is wonderful to be with you all today, and uh, thank you, Pastor, for the invite, and uh, we're just so pleased to see you. Uh, We're going to share a little bit more about our family ministry later, but as Pastor said, it's time to get down to business. And so (laughs) uh, I wanted to share briefly about the shofar. Uh, Who here in the service has seen or heard a shofar before? Okay, good. All right. Quite a few of you. It's interesting, though, when you start digging into the Bible, how the trumpet, which is what the shofar is in the Bible, more than 70 times, how it actually shows up at really unique places in the um, divine plan of God. So all the way from the very beginning, when God speaks the world into existence, his voice in Revelation 1.10 is referred to as the voice of the trumpet of the shofar. And so um, from the very start to the very end, when Jesus comes again, which I know we're all looking forward to, praise God, when he comes again on the clouds, it's to the trumpet sound. And so um, anyways, uh, when I have the opportunity to share the shofar with people, I just want to share a few things about it so you understand about it, and then also how you can open up your heart. Because what we found is that by the sounding of the shofar, many people's lives are changed. There is something about the sound, the actual sound, now, uh, when, if we talk about earlier about the voice of God being powerful, if he's speaking the world in, into existence with his voice, there is a massive supernatural power expressed in the sound. So uh, w- what I ask you to do is to consider in your own life, in the life of anyone in your family, any friends, anyone that you know, if there is brokenness, and, and I know that there's brokenness here, I mean, we are broken people. Right? We are not perfect. Uh, there's only one perfect, that's Jesus. And uh, so we have brokenness. Now, there may be some broken relationships. Uh, there may be unforgiveness or bitterness, which, by the way, is very close to the heart of God. He wants total unity and forgiveness. So if you're holding any bitterness or forgiveness or if you're easily offended, this is a good time to bring this to the Lord right now because we need to deal with it now. Um, 
also anyone who is feeling unwell or has a disease, uh, not just physical, but maybe mental, emotional, or even there is a spiritual sickness as well. Uh, we all struggle with these different things, but it's time to bring it to the Lord and, and see him do mighty and wonderful things. We've seen God do many things at the sounding of the shofar. So I just encourage you to open your hearts and let God do what only he can do in your life. Praise the Lord. I will be sounding four different calls today to get us started. Each one has a separate meaning, but essentially it's call to worship, worship Jesus, and then the second one would be uh, a repentance, a turning away from anything that we've done that, uh, that grieves God and the Holy Spirit, and then um, also at the same time receiving what only he can do, that forgiveness that only Jesus has for us. And then uh, the third one has to do with spiritual warfare. Uh, anyone here ever deal with spiritual warfare? Do you feel like the enemy is coming after you in different ways? Uh, making your life more difficult? Uh, putting obstacles in the way of your faith? And so we're, we're going to speak that away as well. And then the fourth is the great call at the end, which is known as the great amen. And that one you're supposed to hold as long as you can by Jewish tradition, almost to the point of passing out. So uh, hopefully I won't pass out. But anyways, <laughs> um, the, the purpose of that is to remind us that we have eternal hope in Jesus Christ, that when he comes again, we have eternity with him forever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Would you please stand? I'd like to start today by reading a few, uh, two verses actually, from the book of Ezra. Now, Ezra is a short book. It's only 10 chapters, and we don't even really get to know the person the book was named after until about seven chapters in. So here's two verses introducing us to him. He was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses, the Lord, the God of Israel, had given and the king granted him all that he asked, for the hand of the Lord his God was on him. Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. I love this introduction to Ezra because not only do we see that as a scribe he has gotten to know God's word so intimately through repeated writing of God's laws over and over again. 
but it says he studied it, and then he set his heart to do it, so he was practicing what he preached, and then to teach it, to pass it on. Our opening hymn today is a hymn I grew up singing, and it's one a lot of you will know, May the Mind of Christ My Savior. This hymn examines just taking every part of our lives, our hearts, our minds, and allowing them to be saturated with the love and the peace and the knowledge of our Lord. So Jess is going to lead us all in this hymn this morning. Let's sing together. next song is one I've been getting a lot of requests for. But before we start it, I'd like to do a little bit of an experiment here, if you don't mind. Everybody take your hands and raise them for me. Put them up. There you go. This is a posture of praise. All right, you can bring your hands down. This is also a posture of praise. Some of you might need to sit down, and that's a posture of praise, too. So whatever that is, it's 
feeling, if it felt good to raise your hands today, go ahead and do that when we get to this part of the song where it sings, so I throw up my hands and I praise you again and again. And if you want to sit, that's okay too. Sing together. All my words fall short. All my words fall short. I've got nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude? I could sing these songs as I often do. But every song must end, and you never do. So I throw up 
Thank you, Father. You alone are worthy of our praise and our hallelujah. And whether we offer them as a shout or as a feeble cry, you accept them and you love us. Thank you for loving us, God, and preparing our hearts for the message this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, before Pastor comes up and shares another great message, I wanted to share a little bit about our family, our ministry, and then I've got a, a special on the trumpet for you guys as well. I think you'll enjoy. Um, so anyways, uh, my wife and I, Deb here, uh, we grew up in the Midwest. Is, uh, is anyone here from the Midwest? Did you grow up in the Midwest? And Iowa, Wisconsin, any of those? Okay, there's a few. All right, great. Uh, just a few. Uh, anyways, we grew up there, and we got married in Iowa. But then we went off to those big cities in the east. We were in uh, Boston and New York, Chicago. And um, it was actually in the Midwest in Chicago that God called us to something completely different. So, you know, sometimes God will put something into your heart, and you think, is this really God? Well, this was something pretty crazy, but he, uh, he really gave it to us at the same time, and we prayed about it together. What God seemed to be asking us to do was to leave our life in the suburban areas of Chicago, uh, get rid of most of the, what we had, get a, an RV, and travel the country ministering for him or with him. I guess you could say we get to just see what he's doing. I mean, he's the, he's the boss. So anyways... Um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you all probably know this one. This one's from the New King James. I like this one. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. So um, we got that from the Lord. He gave us a real direct uh, message of what we needed to do at least at that time. You know, if you ever heard something from God, but you really weren't sure what to do next. Well, he doesn't usually give us the whole thing, right? He'll give us one step at a time. I think that's how we can learn to trust him more, how to live a faith life. And so uh, we weren't sure what to do, so we started traveling. It took us a couple of years to get the RV. We started to travel, and, um, and we had all the kids with us. At that point, there were six children. So it was all <laughs> eight of us in a small little RV traveling around. And I imagine uh, if you ever have been on a family vacation and you happen to have a lot of kids or, or maybe not even having a lot of kids, when you're on that vacation, do you ever notice that the smallest things seem to irritate you or you have arguments or issues? I mean, really, all of us have experienced that at some point, right? Well, we learned that you ha we have a very small space. We learned you're going to have to get along. I mean, there's just no way. <laughs> so God was teaching us not only the faith issues, but also the family issues. And we learned to live in a small space together. But taking steps of faith can be really challenging. And we really weren't sure what we were going to do initially. And so what God 
I think, was telling us was start with what you know, okay? And so what did I know that time? I was a trumpet player, uh, Deb's a pianist, and so we thought, well, you know, maybe we'll go into different communities and we'll connect with different pastors and see if, if we can share some special music and, and maybe, um, you know, give them some encouragement and then share some stories of faith that we've experienced along the way. Early on, we didn't have a lot to offer, but we just, we felt like that's what God was calling us to do. So we did that. And uh, pretty soon, God started really showing us that there was even more to it than that, that he had other things and other ministries for us. But he, he, was, he was telling us that, um, I think, Deb, don't you think that God was just kind of speaking that we, we needed to branch out and do more and teach people about the life that we were living? Because the life that we were living required a lot of faith, like for everything. Physical needs, uh, financial, everything, you know, all the needs that we might have. We put it in the hands of the Lord and we learned how to trust him completely and just walk out step by step in faith. Because when you take that first step out, God is supporting you. So if you're at the point right now where you might have uh, a faith issue in your life, this is a great time to step out. Just take that one step in faith, and he's going to help you to take the next one. And so anyways, um, God made things clear that sharing about the life of faith was really critical for us. And so that became the very foundation of our ministry. And really, it's kind of the, it's the foundation of our life of faith because our God is a faith God. It's all about faith. And so, anyways, God has given us a lot of opportunities to minister. Uh, and we've been in, I don't know, 30 or 35 states and all kinds of places. But um, he's really helped us to grow in our faith and help other people to grow in their faith. But there's other elements of our ministry. You guys saw the shofar earlier. And so I actually teach uh, workshops on the shofar all over the country. And I teach people about it and how to sound it. And, uh, and the heart behind sounding it, because there's a real heart issue. Uh, without the heart for God to sound it, there's no power behind it. Mm. Uh, it's kind of like uh, someone who uh, is, is expresses faith in Jesus, but there's no power there because there's no real faith and belief. Okay, there's unbelief. Uh, we, we, all the kids actually do music ministry with us. Uh, it's kind of fun. Um, all through those years, we've, they've developed different skills, and so all six of the kids are musical, and Deb and I, of course. Um, we also have a neat little um, ministry that, that God brought to our hearts, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago, but we started working with uh, first responders around the country and helping them and encouraging them, and um, one of the things we used was these uh, Psalm 91, Psalm 23 cards, which are two great Psalms. I don't know if they're your favorites, but they're probably in, in my top 10 of favorites. But Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, you really get to know who you are and who Jesus is. And then, of course, uh, Psalm 91, known as God's prayer of protection. And it was very appropriate for these folks who, uh, you know, first responders and everything. And, and it's been really well received over the years. And now we've expanded. We give these cards wherever we go to virtually anyone because we all need Psalm 23, Psalm 91 in our life, and uh, it's, it's a real blessing. Um, the other thing, too, that we've been able to do, aside from all of that, is um, actually how we met, is I, I have the opportunity to work with different men's groups all over the country, and uh, as you guys know, we need strengthening in the body, and it starts with all of us, men and women, but in, you know, in God's hierarchy, he gives men a certain... Uh, authority or a certain responsibility, you could say. 
Okay, and so we need to lead our families in the Lord. We need to be leaders in the marketplace and in the world. And so that really was heavy on my heart. And so uh, over the years, I've worked with CBMC all over the country, and, and it's been really neat to get to know all these different guys, your pastor included, praise the Lord. And so thankful for that. Anyways, um, we'll, we'll be available after the service if you wanted to add any questions or anything, but I, I appreciate your prayers. Uh, if you can, uh, there, there's a, out there, there's a little card that has a little more info about us, but it's kind of like a prayer card. So if you guys can just be praying for us, we really appreciate that. Uh, it's a tough world out there. You guys all know it. You all live in the world. But we tend to go to the places that are really ugly. Next, we're going to New York. New York has uh, got a lot of problems. And then we'll be in New England. We'll be uh, sometime in Maine where it has the lowest percentage of churches and believers in the country is Maine. And so most people there, I could do it on my own. I don't need God. Okay. Well, I could tell you I need God and they need God. So we want to help them and bless them and encourage them. But uh, we appreciate your prayers. And what I'm going to share with you is a song you all know, you know the hymn Amazing Grace. This one is Amazing Grace. And then it goes into my chains are gone. I've been set free. Praise the Lord. Uh, just been a blessing. I mean, you know, it's kind of one of those moments in life. You just meet somebody and you connect 
and uh, it's great to have you here. I, I know you travel this area about once a year, and so maybe next year we'll have you in just a little bit more, but uh, I just want to have prayer with them and as we lead in the sermon as well. Father, thank you for this family, and most of all, thank you for the leading of your spirit to draw them to yourself and then to lead them out, Lord, as your servants. I pray that you will direct their steps, that you will bless them in their ministry that you've given them. Lord, we know it's yours. But use them, Lord, to touch many in the uh, first responders area, the churches that need, uh, Lord, the renewal of your spirit and their, their fellowships. I pray that you would uh, guide them as they share in music. Uh, Lord, all of the things that you've given them, we pray that you would just... Uh, Lord, anoint them and use them in a special way. I pray also, Lord, uh, for them as a family. I know it's uh, got to be challenging living in an RV and, and moving around. But, Lord, uh, I'm sure that there's many stories of your blessing. We ask for you to continue that in great ways. And, uh, Lord, as we continue here in uh, this service, we just pray for your guidance and blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Uh, be sure to check out uh, the table back there that they have. Uh, you can pick up those cards. Also, the, uh, James, I believe you have a sheet uh, with some scripture verses that really encourage us in who we are in Christ. And uh, that's a great thing to just kind of read every day. You know, we, we need the Word of God to help us stay on track of, of who He's made us. And sometimes uh, our minds can get in the wrong places. So that's a great thing. Well, we're continuing today our study through the book of Hebrews. And. Um, uh, we're in, uh, actually this is uh, number eight in the series, believe it or not. You might say, well, pastor, it seems like 30, but no, 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 no. Okay, this is number eight. <laughs> and uh, actually, um, uh, this is going to be part one of, of this particular message. Um, I had intended originally to go through verse 12 in chapter 6, but we're going to do that next week. Uh, we'll go from 1 to 12 in chapter 6 next week, and that'll be kind of part two uh, of, of the theme today, that it's time to move on. Um, you know, words are very powerful. <laughs> you know, I used to hear that saying when I was a kid, right? Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Wrong. I mean, some of the most powerful things in really bringing destruction to us and pain are words. Um, you probably have some words in your mind and your subconscious, uh, subconscious that uh, you have to deal with. You know, somebody has said something to you at a very significant moment in time, and it hasn't really been a help. <laughs> it, it's kind of sometimes directed the way you think about yourself. And, and most of the time, those are lies that we need to find God's healing and strength to go beyond. But what we say and how we say it, that's the other side of it. You know, we, we use words, right? Uh, what we say does have the ability to destroy or to build up. And, and so what we say and how we receive words have a significant impact in our daily life. We live in a day of much communication. I mean, isn't it amazing how much and how many different ways you can communicate with each other, right? Uh, we do not only communicate in person, but really mostly today we communicate in our technology through texting and email and 
the phone. I mean, even the phone is kind of becoming antiquated <laughs> to some degree. But uh, each medium certainly can influence the impact of the words. Now, when Hebrews was written, there were basically only two ways to communicate. You didn't have a telephone, right? You didn't have uh, texting. You didn't have a computer. But you only had verbal communication where one-on-one or in a group of people, you can say what you want to say and people hear it and respond. Or you have written communication where you write it down and either it's read personally or it's read in a group. Okay, So we know in the New Testament letters, uh, they were written with the intention of communicating to, most of the time, a group of people. Now, now, some of them are specifically to a person. I mean, you have the book of Philemon, definitely written specifically to a person. But yet still, as God put it in his canon, in the Word of God, it's used to communicate, I mean, we're still reading it today, right, <laughs> to groups of people. And so as we read Hebrews, as we read this Word of God, um, you know, it's interesting to hear some of the words that are coming across. The, the, the verses that we're looking at today, I, I was thinking as I was reading them and as I read them today, if I were to share this message to you as a congregation by email during the week, I, I wonder how you would respond to it. So uh, I want to read it, and then you'll get the idea. So if you have your Bibles, you can read in whatever translation you have, but I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. I'm in chapter 5 of Hebrews, verses 11 through the end of the chapter, verse 14. There is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. How would you have received that in the email this week? I think some would probably have been offended. <laughs> it could be very offending to read those words, particularly in an email. You know what I mean. Some things shouldn't be sent in an email, right? I mean, it just gets you right away. If it's on the page, it's hard. And perhaps they might write a response, or, or, or maybe they would even leave the church. Pastor, I can't believe you would say those things to us. Now, others might encourage me, and, but not to say I like the words, but mainly saying, Pastor, maybe you need to consider being a little more gentle, yeah. or being more kind. Maybe even stand up and apologize to the congregation on Sunday for what you sent out this week. And some would say this, way to go, Pastor. Those people really need to hear it. <laughs> it's strange what we do with communication. But dear friends, remember, as we read this today, certainly it's for a specific time, 
for a specific situation, but it is the Word of God, and it is for today as well. And it's inspired by the Spirit of God. It's given to the people of God. It is truth that needs to be heard. Sometimes things are painful that we need to hear. Sometimes we need surgery to lead to the healing that brings fruitfulness in life. We are encouraged by the Bible to speak the truth in love as well as to be kind and considerate. Therefore, I suggest that even though these are strong words, the intention is not to hurt and destroy, but rather to challenge and exhort for productive change. Now, those who are receiving this rebuke are being told that they should be better than this. (laughs) Right? You get that? That's the idea. Yeah, this is who you are, but you really should be better than this. And I want to try to challenge you because I'm trying to tell you deeper things, is what the author is saying, and I really can't do it because you're not at the place where you're ready to get it. I remember when I was in ninth grade and I had Algebra 1. That probably is taught in fifth grade now, I don't know, but anyway. And I remember having such a difficult time really getting it. And I went home and I was trying and I was actually crying. And my parents said, you need to talk to the teacher. You know, students, we don't like to talk to the teacher. They're the teacher. They're big. They control my life. So I gave in. And I asked the teacher if I could meet with them after class. And you know, we met for 10 minutes And in that 10 minutes, he gave me what I needed to change the way I could do algebra because I understood the basic piece. And I was in the upper level of math the rest of my high school career. That moment, he helped me to understand. Now, I was very willing to hear. I wanted to succeed. I wanted to know how to do it. It was tearing me up that I couldn't get it. And he gave me what I needed. You know, as I read this in this text today, I realize that the reception of the people that were hearing it is just as important as the message that was given. Because the desire of the author is, I want you to move on. <laughs> you need, you're better than this. But here's what you need to move on. And so he begins by saying, there's much more that we would like to say about this. Well, that right away grabs my attention. About what? Well, what have we just talked about? Last week we talked about Melchizedek and Christ being in that priesthood, right? And remember, even last week I said, this is really deep stuff. It's kind of hard to grasp, and, and, and we'll get to it further in chapter 7. And so we find the author saying, we need to pause here because there's some basic things that are important for you to get the full concept of who Jesus really is as high priest and the depth of what that means for you in your walk with him. And so that's just pause. This is kind of a pause in the writing, all right? And, and, And so he is saying it's difficult to explain. He sees the problem is with the listeners. He pauses to challenge them about their spiritual dullness and their lack of listening. Interesting, strong comment, isn't it? Yeah, it's not something we want to hear. You know, you don't want to hear your uh, leadership in 
the faith to say you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Uh, you, I mean, if I brought one of you up here in front of all of the rest of you and said, you know, your problem is you're spiritually dull and you don't listen very well, that, that would not be a good moment. No, no, we're not going to do that, by the way, okay? Matter of fact, I probably need to look in the mirror sometimes on some of this. Yeah. But they weren't listening. They, they were not getting it. The, the dullness was that there was no passion and, and interest in the things of the Lord. I remember hearing a story about... Um, a church getting a new pastor. And the pastor uh, got up on his first Sunday and, and he delivered this message and it was a dynamic message and the people were all excited about it. I mean, you got a new pastor, new message, good, good message. I mean, not new from the Word of God, but new to them, fresh and clear. And, and so the next week the pastor gets up and he preaches the exactly same message. Well, the elders got together and said, boy, this is a little concerning. I mean, is he going to, well, then the next week he gets up and does the same thing. Well, so they met with him. They said, Pastor, we really think it's a great message, and we know you're a great pastor, and we you know you have a, a great word from the Lord, but, you know, it, it seems kind of strange that three weeks in a row you've preached the same one. I mean, uh, we'd like you to kind of move on. The pastor said, well, here's how it is. When I begin to see people really taking action on what I'm saying, then I'm going to move to the next message. <laughs> kind of convicting, huh? Yeah. By the way, I'm not planning to preach the same message all the time. Okay. <laughs> I've been here long enough, you know it's not going to happen. All right. All right. It's interesting, uh, the wording here in this passage is very strong. The Greek word for spiritually dull can mean sluggish, dim-witted, <laughs> negligent, or lazy. It's not like uh, this isn't really pointing at the people, okay? Um, the author has been sharing some extremely wonderful information about Jesus. It's been great going through these first chapters, realizing the dynamics of Jesus being the ultimate fulfillment of all God had given in the Old Testament and pointing to him as the only one, the only Messiah, the only true high priest, the one who really has entered into the Holy of Holies, the one who has paid for the sins of us all, the one who is the only way of salvation, that he is the Lord of all. Great, great message. But he's saying, hey, we can't really go any further until you really deal with who you are and what's going on or the lack of what's going on in your life. The author is aware that the depth of what they need will not really be received until he pauses and says, take care of these things. He says that they've been believers long enough, did you get it? Long enough that they should be teaching others instead of having to be taught. Now this doesn't mean that they all should be teaching a class or standing up in front of the congregation and speaking. That, that certainly wouldn't fit, would it? I mean, not everybody is gifted that way. But he does say that every one of you, if you're really growing in Christ, should be teaching somebody else. Now, by the way, some people really are gifted by God to do that, and I thank God for that. We have many in our congregation that are teaching and are gifted by God. And many of you would say, if I asked you to teach, you would say, oh, no, Pastor, I, I'm just not very good at that. And they say, of course, that the, the greatest fear of anybody is public speaking, um, and I do it for my living, so it's kind of strange. You know, I'm, in, I'm, a, I'm scared all the time, right? But, but you know, um, 
The idea here is not so much that we should be teachers in the idea of that role, but teachers in how we live, okay? Every believer, if you're growing in Christ, should stop having to be taught <laughs> and be a teacher of others. We've often used the term disciple and discipling. I think it'd be very fitting to put that here, okay? That every believer is to not only be discipled, grow in Christ, but to be a discipler. You know, we really haven't done our job as a church, as God's instrument for those he brings, if we're not seeing people becoming disciples and then becoming disciplers of disciples, right? So if you've, if you've accepted Christ, if, if you have grown in Christ to some level but haven't moved on to where you really are guiding others, being used by God to help others grow in Christ, you are being challenged here by this text. Now, by the way, even those who may be doing that, I, I'm, I think you're challenged by it too. I think we all are. Because it's very easy to kind of get comfortable. It's very easy to get to a place where, oh yeah, I, I did that. <laughs> you know, uh, back in uh, my early life with Christ, I, I did that. But, you know, I'll let others do it. I don't think this is saying that. I don't think you can get away with that and read this honestly. I mean, you can get away with it, but not much to get away with. Yeah. You see, in reality, all of us are teachers. We're all teaching others something all the time by the way we live, the way we talk, and the way we relate to others. And some people are teaching awful things. As those who have been believers for some time, we should not be dependent on others to make decisions or to be fed the Word of God. Being a pastor for many years, I've had people say a lot of different things to me, and many of them are not very encouraging. Uh, one of them I've heard over the years, Pastor, we're going to another church because we just don't feel that we're being fed. I've raised three children. When they got to a certain point in life, I stopped taking the food on the fork or the spoon and putting it in their mouth because they were trained to do it themselves. Our grandson stayed overnight last night. One of them's kind of younger than the other. Last night, Grandma helped him get his shower. The older one, this morning, got up, and got his own shower. I thought that was pretty nice. You know, I'm kind of a lazy guy. I like to see other people do their job without me having to help them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, isn't it true in the faith? You know, if we say that we're not being fed, now sometimes that means something different than that. I get it. And sometimes we're in situations where we're really not getting the Word of God taught to us appropriately. And maybe we do need to get somewhere where that's more appropriate. Don't get me wrong. 
On the other hand, I have been in some places where I'm sure a lot of people might say I'm not getting fed, but if I'm not feeding myself, it's my own fault. I, I've been in some pretty terrible preaching situations. Some of them have been my own, but you know. But you know, I've, I've sat there and I'm thinking, this guy or this, you know, whoever it is, is just, just not getting it done. But the Lord always speaks to my heart somewhere when I'm there. Because if I'm open to Him, even the worst speaker can be used by Him to get me somewhere I need to get to. Do you believe that? Yeah. Especially if the Word of God is being shared, because that's where the power is. It's God's Word. His Spirit teaches us. But it doesn't teach us so we can just soak it in and then go away and have no change. It teaches us so that we can be used by God for His purposes wherever we are. Wherever we are. <laughs> New York City. Maine. <laughs> yeah. Your job site. <laughs> the people you're with all the time. Your family. Yeah. Going to be taking a group to Israel in February. Looking forward to it. A lot of people are already signed up, getting excited. I'm not promoting it this morning, but if you'd like to know more, I'd be glad to tell you. Okay. But anyway, um, one of the things we'll see is the Dead Sea. And you've probably heard this many times, but why is it called the Dead Sea? Because there's a lot of stuff going into it, but nothing going out. There's no place where the sea releases what comes in. And so it's just stopped up. And it's stopped up and it gets all weird. I mean, you go in the Dead Sea, you can't sink because it's so full of minerals. But it kind of burns, too, when you're in there. So and you come out feeling real oily. Yeah, okay. And there's people selling stuff that help your skin look better, I guess. If you, I mean, we put mud all over ourselves because it's supposed to make... Don't I look better? You know? Black mud. But, you know, that, that's a very great example of the need for us to be giving out to stay alive, to stay fresh, to be growing. Um, if we just kind of close it in, it's not what God intends. So the author here goes on to say to the Hebrews that they are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. I, I was asking in staff meeting this week, when do babies begin to eat solid food? Those of you who have babies or have raised babies, uh, when did your baby start to eat solid food? Well, the answer in the staff meeting was about six months. Yeah. Now, I, I know in some cultures that's not true. I mean, babies often are breastfed till quite later than that. I mean, we might even go up to two years, maybe a little bit more on some. But even so, there comes a point in time where they're weaned from the milk. And they move on to solid. I mean, that's to be expected. If that doesn't happen, there's something desperately wrong. And we would take them to the doctor. We, we would try to figure out what's going on here. Well, how long is it as a new believer that you should be being fed milk? Well, I don't think it's a real long time. <laughs> I, I think some people are 30 years in the Lord and still on milk, and it's like, that, that's really bad. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's terrible. That person needs to be helped. That, that person needs to go to the doctor. <laughs> that, that per, we need to find out what the problem is here. That, that's what this is saying. 
listen, folks, we, we got to deal with this. I'm sure those reading this letter and those here this morning have been believers for certainly more than six months or two years. It's time to move on. It's time to get serious if we're not growing and maturing. We may need emergency care. If you're still on milk, you're a baby. You can't handle solid food. The deeper things of the Lord are too much for you. That should be embarrassing to us. You know, Paul writes a similar statement in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 and 2. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. Dear friends, if you have not matured, if you still are on the milk, you need to be in the Word of God. You need people to help you so that Helping you at a level where it's just not, oh, I get a little bit more of that, so I'm okay for the moment, but that you move beyond where you are, that you become those who are givers to others, not those who are just taking it all in. Don't be offended by these strong words, but rather take it in and allow the Lord to lead us so that we become all He wants us to be. Peter writes in 1 Peter 2.2, like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Yeah, so it's important, isn't it? It's important once we become a believer that we get some basic help. You don't leave babies just laying out on the street. Somebody's got to take care of them. You know, if you're a young believer, we want to help. If you're a new believer, you need to be with somebody that's helping you get into the Word and to understand how to read the Word and apply the Word and live the Word. You need that. We all need it. And the church is the place it happens. Yeah? So be aware of those around you. You know, if God puts you in touch with somebody that's just a new believer, maybe He's leading you to help them at that point become a more mature believer. It doesn't always have to be assigned by the pastor or the elders. You know that? We'd like to know. But we also believe that God's at work in his people. Yeah. Be at it. Keep on. Move on. Keep learning, growing. Make yourself available to opportunities. Become one of the mature who can eat solid food and then one who is trained to have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Isn't that what he says? He says here at the end of this passage, solid food is for those who are mature who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Oh, I mean, everybody knows how to do right and wrong. I don't believe so. I have a lot of people at times that come to me and they ask me a question. I'm thinking, why can't you figure that out? You know, the pastor isn't the only one that has the answers. Matter of fact, the pastor is just like you. Now, certainly we need to be studied. <laughs> we need to be trained. We need to do the right thing. But, you know, if you're in the Word of God, if you're digging in and you're growing, God's giving you wisdom. God's giving you enlightenment. The, the, First John tells us you don't really need a teacher. Isn't that interesting? You, you have the Spirit of God to teach you. So an evidence of your maturity isn't that you have to run and ask for the answer all the time, but that you can dig in. I hear Brian all the time saying, you know, get a commentary, start reading, you know, get involved. You be the person that digs in and goes deeper, not just sitting back and saying, okay, I'll get it when he gives it to me. No, I don't need that. It's not good. 
You see, the evidence of our growth is that we're no longer babies, we're moving on, and we're helping others by teaching. And by the way, this is an intentional advertisement. Summertime is kind of layback time here at Community. We don't have Sunday school. Right? We don't have Awana. Right? We don't have small, well, some small groups are still meeting, excuse me, but basically our small group year kind of kicks in heavy again in the fall. All right. And you know what we need for those things to really happen? Teachers. Anybody say, Pastor, you're using this passage to really get to us. You bet I am. <laughs> yeah. I thank God for the people who are doing it. But they need more people to help too. I don't think we'll ever have too many. <laughs> you know, it would be great if we did. And we kind of div divvy it up a little bit. And so no, not everybody's going to get burned out and like overwhelmed because they're the only ones that are doing it. Yeah. And if you're feeling a little offended by what I say, good, 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 all right. No, listen to it and think about, Lord, what are you saying to me? We're not about offending. We're about trying to challenge each of us with what God wants us to do. And you might say, oh, I couldn't do that. I, I believe you could. Why? Because you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And I don't believe you really know what you can do until you try to do it. <laughs> That's kind of what our message from our brother was this morning, right? Walk, walk of faith. Yeah. You don't, I, mean, I don't have all those steps figured out. We don't have to. <laughs> we'll help you. All right? You got people that have done these things before. You're not going to be out there on your own. We're going to help. We're going to work together. And it's amazing how you will be blessed. I am so excited when I hear people say, Pastor, I've been working with these kids, and you know God's been at work there, and I've seen some of them come to Christ. I mean, we, next Sunday at the lake, we got baptism of four children. They all know Jesus, <laughs> and they want to declare their faith by baptism. Some churches wouldn't baptize them until they're a certain age. I don't believe that. I believe if somebody's made a clear declaration of Christ, all right, doesn't matter what it, Jesus, what did Jesus say? Let the kids come to me, right? It's going to be exciting, friends. But you know, somebody, now I know parents are very involved, but somebody's been working with those kids. And even though I have the privilege of putting them in, under the water, there's going to be a lot of celebration beyond me. All of us will celebrate, obviously, but those who've been investing, what a great moment. So I encourage you that if God's speaking to you, to see people who are involved in these things. Carrie uh, Evans, of course, she's our children's director, and uh, she's look, you, you saw it in the newsletter this week. Uh, Pastor Seth was going to announce it this morning, but I said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really push it hard in the message, baby. But, you know, that, that uh, if you can help out with uh, Sunday school, with church, with kids, and with, and even if you don't think you can, but God's talking to you, all right, then, then go and, and talk to Carrie. And, and if you can't find her, talk to me or talk to one of the elders. We'll get you in the right place, okay? Um, if, if maybe the Lord's encouraging you to be involved in leading a small group, we're certainly looking for people to do that. We got more people here that should be in small groups than we have leaders for them. So uh, we want to see that grow. Um, 
you know, and, and maybe God's encouraging you in some other ways. We want to hear. Okay, I really believe that God will stir up people for his ministry here. It's happened throughout the years. We're 100 years old. It's happened all those 100 years. Okay, we want to see more and more of it. Because you know what happens? We're no longer babies. And you hear a lot less wah, wah, wah when everybody's growing up. And pastors are happy about that. Yeah, yeah, we all are, aren't we? Yeah. So I encourage you to move on. To talk to the Lord. Admit your lack of growth if that's what he's convicting you of. And, and ask him to feed you what you need. Tell him you, you don't want to be a baby anymore. But you want to grow to help others. And so I encourage you to do this. As you pray in the quiet moment of your prayer time, take a tablet or a piece of paper. Have it right there. You know, it's okay to open your eyes while you're praying. You didn't know that, right? Okay. All right. And, and so as you're praying, as you have a quiet moment of talking with the Lord about, about this, Lord, where am I? Where do you want me to be? What do I need? I want to grow in you. I want you to set a goal. I want the Lord to lead you to set a goal, okay? And to write down on that paper what, what's next for you, to move on, what's next, all right? Because you can't move on without doing something next. People say you can't steer a parked car. You ever hear that one? God can steer your life as you're moving, all right? So set a goal. It can include personal Bible study, certainly to grow in him, group Bible study, getting involved in ministry, stepping up your involvement in the church. But not only set a goal, but then make a plan. Write down how you will do it. Okay, I, I believe that I should be involved in uh, children's ministry. Okay, the next step of your plan is to talk to Carrie. <laughs> okay, and find out what the opportunities are. Pray more about that. Decide, get involved. Be trained. Uh, that can be all of your plan. And talk to someone to give you ideas and to help you follow through. That's part of your plan, be being accountable. And then part of your plan is I will join this ministry in September, <laughs> whatever it is. Okay, it's good to have some definite plans. I will find a book on basic spiritual growth and then plan to share it with somebody else as I read it. And a key part is to be accountable. Show somebody else your goal and your plan because that will allow, not allow you to kind of do your own thing. <laughs> You'll have to be accountable. That does make a difference, you know. Yeah, I need to do it again, but several years ago I got in a weight loss plan, all right, and I had an accountability person. I had to meet with him every week. It makes a difference. I lost some weight. Yeah. I have an accountability partner that I meet with monthly. Why? Because I need somebody to make sure my perspectives and what I'm doing is in line with what the Lord wants. And somebody else needs to speak into my life. And just don't say, well, that's my wife or my husband. Eh, that's a good place, but that's not all that you need. never forget that the ultimate result of all of this is that God will use you to touch and train others. Nothing better. Get to the end of your life, oh my, 
Won't it be wonderful someday to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? We won't even know, I don't think, all the people that God uses to touch. But we will be celebrating because of what he's done through our lives. Let's pray. It's good, Lord, to be here to get today. We've, we've been challenged by so many things. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight. Because I know that it's only through your teaching and what you say that life change takes place. I even pray this morning that the things that I might have said that would take people away from what you really want for them would be forgotten and lost. But that which you want to say would be clearly heard. And I pray, Father, that where you are convicting and guiding, that we might not see that as something that is negative, but certainly as your love for us because you have a plan and purpose for each one of us. Help us to be those who are not just taking in milk, but those who are ready for solid food, and that we would be those who would be used by you to not just be taught, but to teach others as well. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand. This is going to be a new song to a lot of you, so I just invite you for the first verse to listen so we can teach it to you, and then we'll sing that first verse again all together. Your kingdom is simple, as simple as love. You welcome the children, you stop for the one. We want to see people the way Jesus does. Your kingdom is simple. Lord, teach it to us. Let's sing that verse together. Your kingdom is simple. Your kingdom is simple, as simple as love. You welcome the children, you stop for the Your kingdom is simple, Lord, teach it to us. Your kingdom is humble. Your kingdom is humble, as humble as death. His king is a savior who gave his last breath. So Broken our glass. 
kingdom is coming. Your kingdom is coming. Your kingdom is here. Alive in our way. And work in our tears. So come to us quickly. Hunger our prayer. Your kingdom is coming. Lord Jesus, come here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallowed be your name. May we live and your praise. Hallelujah. Let all creation say, Oh, the King of heaven. Sing that again. Matthew 5.10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Mark 10.45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. In your kingdom, your kingdom is backward, it flows in reverse. What you call a treasure, this world calls a curse. The small become greater, the last become first. Your kingdom is
just go back to that first hymn and sing the first verse one more time. May the mind of Christ. I was supposed to take in some new members, and uh, your pastor forgot. So this week, I have received numerous reminders, several this morning, and I haven't forgot. <laughs> so I'm going to ask uh, Ted and Wendy Murphy, John and Susan Bolu, and Rob Sunday to come on up. Come on down. They were here last week, all ready to go. Yeah, we, we forgot them. And you know, it just shows how committed they really are to become members here, you know, because being forgotten by their pastor, they didn't leave. So thank you for your grace. <laughs> uh, I'd like to just say a couple of things about church membership before we uh, receive these as members. Um, certainly becoming a church member neither provides nor elevates one's personal salvation, but it's because that we are saved that we should desire to be a member and enjoy the fellowship of other Christians. The local church is where we enjoy fellowship, where we grow in our faith, where we serve the Lord, and where we proclaim the gospel together. The Bible states this, that as Christ's body and Jesus Christ, we read in Romans 12, 4-5, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. So today, these five friends come to declare their desire to be a member and to officially be welcomed as a member here at Community Christian Fellowship. Now, they've been through the process, and I'll just review that with you in case you might be wondering yourself. To be a member here at Community, first of all, you must have made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ and to be trusting Him alone for salvation and desiring to follow Him daily. Um, also, uh, they a person to be considered a member here has to have declared their faith publicly by being baptized by immersion as believers. And so now, uh, these that are here are making a public commitment to serve Jesus in this body of believers. They've gone through our process of uh, declaring their faith, of, of, of being baptized, but also by reading the church membership book that we require, by going through the Community 101, which we're doing again today, we'll be doing again in about three months, and uh, then filling out an application form, being interviewed and accepted by the elders, and then recommended to you as a church body, and are coming before you for acceptance by each of you that are members now. So I have a few questions for those of you up front here. Uh, they basically are questions you've already answered, but I'm asking you to do it publicly, okay? So first of all, have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior, and are you committed to follow Him daily? Do you commit yourselves to serve the Lord here at Community Christian Fellowship? 
And do you agree to support this local body through attendance, personal and spiritual service, and financial support? Okay, members of Community Christian Fellowship, I have a question for you. Do you receive these brothers and sisters as fellow members and commit yourselves to love them, work with them, and guide them to walk faithfully with Jesus? If so, would you say, we do? Okay, as I say every time, you heard, you got supporters here, okay? You can hold them to it. All right, good. So, we welcome you, all right, John and Suzanne. Sue, she likes Sue. Okay, we're going with Sue. Gotcha, all right, good. All right, and uh, we got here Ted and Wendy, and we got Rob. All right, very good. And uh, so we welcome you as members, and so I'd like to pray, okay? Let's do that. Dear Gracious Father, I thank you that uh, Rob and John and Sue and Ted and Wendy have come into your family through faith in Jesus and are trusting him day by day for eternal and abundant life. And I thank you that you have brought them into Community Christian Fellowship. You've moved into their heart to commit themselves as members of this church. And so I pray that you would help them to grow in their knowledge of Jesus, in unity with the believers here, in service to others in your name, and to full maturity in faith. Help us all, Lord, together to love each other, to work together for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask the elders to come on up and greet them, and as we close out, I'll ask you to greet them as well. And as I mentioned, if you're desiring to become a member here, uh, we are having the Community 101 today, which has already been signed up for, but we'll be offering that again in three months, so you can talk to us about that. And, and as the elders are coming up, I'm going to ask our, our brother James to come back up again with the shofar, and he's going to dismiss us with a blessing from the shofar. So uh, why don't you stand up and receive this blessing? Thank you. God bless you. Have a great week. <laughs> Got a little, little.
Just one more with my arms stretched wide. I will worship you. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. All that I have is your Oh, don't you get shy on me. 